Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Ahora vamos a hablar de la película Detectives. Detectives, yes. Sí. That is the movie we watched today. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Was that an appropriate response? <laughs> it works. <laughs> I said, now we're going to talk about it. Okay. Yeah, so Dead Detectives is a movie about a team of ghost hunters. And I know how much you love teams of ghost hunters. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's fun. It, usually it involves found footage. It did not do that here. I kind of thought it was going to be found footage. I was disappointed for you when it wasn't. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate your Not so much for myself. <laughs> it's very um, helpful. So these ghost hunters are obviously frauds. They're yes, faking. They are. And they're about to lose their show because their ratings are going down. So they are sent to this haunted house in Mexico where they learn, spoilers everyone, they learn that while they have been frauds and faking, ghosts are actually real. Yeah, they learn the hard way. Yeah. So fundamentally, the main question here is, did we just watch a horror comedy or a comedy? I thought you were going to ask if we watched a horror comedy or a comedy horror. Well, I was going to say... Was it... Funk rock? Funk rock? Or Or funk funk rock? rock. (laughs) No. The question... I I guess the question is, is it horror comedy or is it comedy about horror? For about the first half of it, I was convinced we were just watching a comedy about horror because there wasn't mm-hmm. any horror and it was being very clear that the supernatural did not exist. That's true. And then the supernatural did exist. Does that make it horror? I think so. I don't know. So the definition of horror is so yes. vague And it shifts from person to person and from, I mean, even within myself, like one day I'll be like, this is horror. And another day I know I would think it wasn't. Like, it just, it sort of depends on the mood. Yeah. Well, this did not have a horrific mood. No. It had the elements like, like there were supernatural beings. There was death and gore and jump scares Mm -hmm. and... I mean, I don't know. I If this doesn't count as horror, then that makes me question some of the things that I mm. have previously said were horror because they had those sa- same things. Yeah, I suppose One Cut of the Dead definitely had a lot more gore than this movie. This is very mild gore level, but it was kind of the same in the sense that, you know, it was all silly except that occasionally someone would get decapitated. Which did not happen in this movie, but disembowelment did. So, I don't know. Very light horror. But in what cut of the dead, there was no supernatural. No. 
There doesn't have to be for horror. There's horror with serial killers. But there was no actual serial killer either. It was entirely oh. fake, right? So are you saying it's a comedy about horror? I mean, I'm sort of retconning my opinion on, on one well, cut here's of the, the dead. Well, the that, though, is you were misled about that for a while. Yeah. We're spoiling so, the wrong movie. So here, here's what I'm trying to say. It's so hard to pin down a definition because, like, today... I want to defend this as being horror because it turned out that the horror and the supernatural was real. Uh-huh. But then that cha- that makes it like I can't apply that same rule to like one cut of the dead because the horror and the supernatural weren't real. But in that case, I was like, oh, but it was so believable for so long that even though it turned out it wasn't real. But then that makes this one not horror. So what do you do? <laughs> uh, you got to go with your gut. What's your yeah. gut say on this one? My gut says horror. Because I feel like saying this isn't horror would make me have to undo my opinion about m- multiple other movies that we've seen in the past. Whereas saying this is horror doesn't change my opinion about anything. Okay, we'll be inclusive. We will tag this one horror. Okay. I'm participating in a short fiction horror contest right now. Uh-huh. And there were like lots and like hundreds of people submitted their 500 words for horror stories. And I've been part of the, you know, it's one of those things where just the general population can go in and read them and make notes. Yeah. And one of the things that I've noticed is that literally every one of them has somebody commenting and saying, well, but this isn't really horror. <laughs> like, uh-huh. and it doesn't even matter. Like, some really, really almost offensively gory, like, really terrible <laughs> stories. People have been like, but this isn't really horror because you're, you know, the horror is just in here, or the grossness is just here for the gross out factor or the shock yeah. factor. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, okay, <laughs> but. Why what? else would it be there? But it's, it's you know, it's that thing too. Like, what is horrific is such a subjective personal thing that hmm. I'm not sure you can pin it down. I think much like porn, you hmm. recognize it when you see it. And other people disagree with it. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. So that was my very long-winded answer. What do you think? Well, it's the tone. This feels super comedy. It's, we should probably say something about this movie. It's super fast and frenetic. And I actually wrote down, it's noises off again, but in a different (laughs) way. Like it doesn't have the plot of a noises off kind of story, but it's that same kind of madcap slapstick, frantic people pumping in and out, talking over each other. Oh, and one thing that it definitely had, and I guess One Cut of the Dead had this too, but... It, it jumps from perspective to perspective. Like, mm. like sometimes you are seeing a scene from the living characters, and then sometimes you're seeing the yeah. scene from the dead characters. And that added to that noises off piece where, like, as the audience, you never quite know what's going on because you're never sure, like, whose eyes am I looking through yeah. until it, you know, gets clarified. So that's very comedy feel. And One Cut of the Dead, I mean, definitely the first 30 minutes of it is... A very horror feel. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it even feels like it's twisting from one horror to a different horror. Right. It's so fun. But anyway, <laughs> I, and then it goes to straight up crazy comedy, like a sitcom for a long time. Right. So, you know, whatever. This has a 
very comedic tone, but I, I've decided to listen to the audience of you and say that this is validly a horror comedy. Very okay. comedy, though. Yes. So when when I try to decide about horror, sometimes what I think about is my friends, many of whom listen to this podcast, who don't really like watching horror, they but they like thinking about it or like uh-huh. talking about it. And so then I wonder, okay, well, could they watch this? And with One Cut of the Dead, I thought, eh, the beginning might be too much. Like, it would be yeah. too too gory, too scary, and they wouldn't be able to get to the funny part. And now this one, I'm like, okay, it's funny, but I don't know. There are some jump scares. There's, like, fake. I mean, if... <laughs> it's okay, true. Not, not for, for me. us, but for people who don't watch horror and aren't, like... Uh-huh immune to those those more basic yeah. horror elements and i do think that this might also be a difficult movie for them to watch because it starts out as funny and they'd be like oh this is okay and then ghosts start popping out of mirrors and stuff and yeah. that would be difficult well you know what the question they have to ask themselves the question b is you ready <laughs> I was not ready for that grammar, I'll tell you that. (laughs) That's a line that came from an interesting character named Bob, who was the quint old sea dog main longshoreman character in this movie. Yeah, in this movie that had nothing to do with any of those things. Yeah, he was just like, arr, I'll be doing your special effects today, (laughs) as they say. He was also a coke fiend. Yeah. And he was their special effects guy. That's why he said that. He was scarier alive than he was dead because as soon as he died, he went into the light. Like, he's like, oh, my daughter's there. And he just left. And that was it. He was gone. I mean, that resolved his issues that drove him to be the coke-addled weirdo guy. I guess. He was like, oh, finally. Because I'm, in my head, this is the story, is that, you know, his daughter died unexpectedly and... He's been broken ever since. Quite possibly in whatever event took oh. his eye and left a scar across his face. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Which he didn't have when he was dead. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So his story was resolved and he went off into the, you know, shiny, bright light world. Mm-hmm. But Javier, who absolutely does not believe in ghosts to the point where being a ghost is difficult for him because he's struggling to believe that he is a ghost. He refuses to walk into the light because he doesn't believe and ends up being stuck there. And then becomes like, once they realize he's there, he, he like retains his position on the team. What did you think of that element of like, the living and the dead, like, working together to resolve the problem. Well, let me break that into two pieces. And piece number one is that this movie had a whole lot of ideas put into it. Like, you wouldn't expect for a screwball, goofy comedy about ghost hunters that they actually worked out, like, a their own metaphysical system for how ghosts are going to work in this story. And, you know, they had they worked it out and, like, it's a part of the plot, like... All the different ways mm-hmm. that the ghosts work are important to how this plays out. And I think a lot of ghost stories do that, but there's they lack that internal consistency, that, that like logic behind it. They don't stick to it. And yeah, this movie did a nice job of, yeah. of sticking to that internal logic. I mean, it's always a tricky thing. When you're making a comedy, you want to be light and silly. And so you get bogged down in these kind of details 
it's very dangerous. It make, drag, makes your movie drag. And they didn't do that. They were still light and silly, mm-hmm. but they really actually thought these things out. Whereas in most comedy type things, they would just mess around with their rules and just throw them out willy-nilly. Right. Do whatever is going to get the laugh. Yeah. Regardless. So in that sense, that was fun and interesting to see this whole movie that was kind of exploring those rules rather than being a silly comedy. And on the other side of that issue is that in order to do that, they had all this crazy technology, which was ridiculous. Oh, like the... (laughs) Like the glasses, like the night vision, ghost vision goggles. Ghost goggles. And then the thing, I've seen this before in other movies where it's something Hollywood does. They make this mistake that a tool that detects something in Hollywood means that tool can do that something. Like a Geiger counter could cause earthquakes in a Hollywood movie. I've never seen that, but that fits this trope, which I've seen many times. So give me an example from this movie. In this movie... His EMF meter, which is supposed to detect ghosts, first of all, it's not a real EMF meter. It's a thing that he pushes a button on to make an EMF meter noise. He made modifications. I know. So he modifies (laughs) it so it actually detects ghosts, which in itself is ridiculous because that would be a completely different device. But anyway, it detects ghosts. And then, because it detects ghosts, he can also touch it on a door that a ghost has locked to bust the door open. He can tap a ghost with it to make them poof. He made modifications. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, he said that many times. That's true. However, that is the Hollywood mistake. The the idea that the tool that detects something somehow is capable of that thing. Like, it wouldn't be modifications of an EMF meter. It would be like, I took a toaster and transformed it so that it can zap ghosts. Like, that makes more sense than the EMF (laughs) meter because it's just a change from something. So... Basically, what you're saying is that the tool that Lloyd is carrying around would be perfectly acceptable in Alton Brown's kitchen. Absolutely. It is has multiple uses, multiple uses. which is great. And I appreciate that. Yes. But that over-the-top crazy yeah. technology in this movie, that kind of takes me out of it a little. Although less so at the very end when they straight up become Ghostbusters. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I get it. They're Ghostbusters. They have an assortment of ghost technology. Yes. That was not the first time I thought Ghostbusters (laughs) while watching this movie. And I really wonder, given the way it ended, I think probably it was an homage to the Ghostbusters in the beginning. Yeah, I think so. But there's a scene where Lloyd, again, Lloyd, he's the one who does believe all throughout the whole thing, even when they were straight up fraudulent about it. Yeah. He's walking through the basement and there's a shot where he comes around like a a shelf of some kind and it's kind of dusty and dirty and there's there was something about the layout of the scene and just in this like a couple of frames where it looked exactly like Ray walking through the library in the first Ghostbusters movie about to meet the ghostly librarian mm-hmm. right before all the the um card catalog files get thrown all over the place, which has always been one of my favorite Ghostbuster <laughs> scenes. And going back to Javier being a ghost and working with them. Yes. It was really fun. Like when they were working out ways for him to interact with them and they decided to put a sheet over him like a ghost. Oh, that's funny. Oh, it was so good. It was sort of Scooby-Doo like. Uh-huh. 
Except that it was really a ghost and not just an old man, whatever, underneath the sheet. Yeah. Yes. And then I liked the callback of when he was alive, Javier was super offended when they wanted him to translate the Spanish when they first got down there to the haunted house. And he's like, oh, great. You know, how racist, you know, just whatever. Which is a weird problem to have. I mean, it wasn't just that he was of Mexican descent. Like, he actually lived in Mexico and had escaped there. He did speak Spanish. Like, there was... There was lots of reason for them to assume he could translate for them, and he just was being a jerk about it and refusing. And then when he's dead, he's interacting with these little Mexican ghost children who also only speak Spanish, and they're again asking him to translate, and he's again offended, not just because they're asking him to translate (laughs) Spanish, but he's like, oh, great, just because I'm dead, I have to translate the dead. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) yes, you do. It was yeah. funny. I liked I liked how those two things Speaking paralleled. of modifications, apparently his normal tape recorder that he uses to record ghosts and then play back to hear EVP, which is a thing you do in all these movies. If you push play and record at the same time, it just straight up it just will play the ghost. Yeah, it's a speaker for ghosts. <laughs> yes. Speaker for the dead is what it is. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> I liked when he was translating the ghost children and they were like all arguing back and forth between themselves. And he's like, well, now we're creeping them out. <laughs> and they were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those ghost children were very sweet. Yes. I also, I liked the idea that many times the ghosts weren't trying to do anything scary, weren't being dangerous in any way. Like Javier at one point is trying to interact with them. The children are trying to interact with them, and they're not being scary. They're just being interpreted as scary because they couldn't be seen or because it was something unexpected. Like, lots of times movies will have the ghost trying to help, but, like, not understanding its own powers or or its own strength, right? So it is scary, but it's not trying to be. And in this case, not only were they not trying to be, they weren't really being scary, (laughs) It's just that the living people were scared. I mean, you don't want stuff moving around on its own. That's pretty weird. No, you don't. But I liked that kind of twist on a, you know, ghost trope. Which brings me to my question for you. You go into this haunted house with your team of people who have set it up with special effects to make fake ghost stuff happen. And you don't even know what all they've set up. Nope. And you go in. How much would it take for you to decide, wait, this is real? I felt pretty on board with Kate throughout that whole part where there were lots of times where she's like, whatever, this is fake. Mm -hmm. And then I forget exactly when she decided it was, oh, well, when Bob died, she's like, (laughs) oh, this is an actual death. We have to call the police, right? Well, yeah, but that's that's still not ghosts. That's just a death. And then right around there was when they decided it was real, though, right? Like, what happened? Oh, So she's upset that somebody has really died, and she decides she's out. Like, she's Mm -hmm. done. She's going to go get the police. She's leaving the building, and she can't. They go out the front door, and they're (laughs) immediately in the kitchen again or whatever. Like, Yeah, that's convincing. Okay, so I think 
I think I would sort of be on par with that. Like, until it was something that was inarguably really happening to me, I would always question. Like, even if even if something like that had happened to the other guys and she hadn't experienced it, she probably would have been like, you guys are lying, you're faking, whatever. So I think it would have taken that much. I mean, even as we were watching, I made a note where I'm like, oh, is the paranormal activity Bob, or is it Kate who kind of indicated yeah, that she was going to be up to something? I was disappointed about that. Or was it real? Like at no point, like there was a long time before I was sure that there was actual real, you know, in this universe, real supernatural activity happening. I think I didn't believe until Javier died, you know, and then we yeah. Javier's ghost was there and I was like, oh, although maybe we had seen the ghost kids prior to that. I don't remember. But yeah, it took a while. Yeah. And I think in real life it would take me a very long time because I, like Javier, absolutely do not believe in ghosts or the afterlife. I did feel like his portrayal of that and his portrayal of most everything was, I mean, you got to be ready for this movie to be over the top, silly. It's not anything like real life. It's a cartoonish kind of sitcom comedy thing. But I felt like Javier was, his acting was out of control. It was better once he was a ghost, actually. Once he died, it improved. But before that, he was just like, like when Bob died and he's playing around with Bob's corpse. I mean, that's not a trick. He knows Bob is actually dead. And he's like holding him up like weekend at Bernie's and going, ha ha, here we are with this dead guy. Like, whoa, hold on. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Javier was... He had some issues. He was manic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think he was, yeah, I think, so I think that played into his character. It, it was sort of believable because he just always did something that was more than anyone else would have done. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he definitely just had that kind of character. Interestingly, he does not, he's one of only a couple characters who don't have family as their their thing Mm. in some way like you know sam and lloyd were abandoned by their parents and so they're it's just the two of them and you know sam is terrified that he's going to lose his fiance and his brother and his best friend if things don't go well the ghosts in the house are there because of family drama you know basically domestic abuse and murder slash suicide But ultimately coming down to, you know, the dad didn't want to be abandoned by his family. And that's why they're still stuck there. Even Bob, it was his, you know, we talked about before, it was his his daughter. daughter. But Javier definitely had stuff going on, but I I never really was clear on what it was. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that he expressed when they were going to go to a haunted house in Mexico, he was like, oh, I don't want to go back to Mexico. I barely got out of there or whatever. Like he he has issues with where he came from somehow. Mm -hmm. That's about it. I mean, he definitely comes across as the kind of person who is hard to be around and maybe (laughs) made some choices or behaved in ways that that makes people like cut themselves off from him, like isolate him. So maybe he was feeling some of that same, I can't lose my found family in this team. They mentioned that a couple of times. But yeah, I don't know exactly what it was. The other thing was Abril, the... We have not mentioned. Right. The the director um, who's sent in because their show is failing. Her whole thing seems to be <laughs> getting famous and getting her yes. director's 
or producer's credit or whatever it was, director's yeah. credit. Well, and she wants to win an Emmy. Right. And she didn't seem to care at all about any other human being at all. Like it was no. not even herself. Like it was She was kind of over the goal. top for sure. Yeah. You bring up an interesting point that all the living characters, most of them, are involved in family issues and they have issues with family because I wrote down that this is a deep movie. Ooh was joking <laughs> about gaslighting codependency and abusive relationships and how those abusive relationships then move out into society not society but the community and cause damage to the community as well not just the family unit nice elaborate on that well i mean we have i, I was thinking of it in terms of the ghosts but now you're talking about the families and we've got sam gaslighting lloyd his whole life Right, lying about what happened to their parents. Sam being a piece of crap to Kate, their whole relationship. Yeah, which... I was not impressed with that. How did you feel about the resolution of that? Because she definitely forgives him and everything is all better. Do you feel like he made enough growth to make that okay? Or did that come across as kind of gross? No, that was... Well, you mean, was it gross in the sense that they kissed <laughs> with puke all over themselves? <laughs> okay, that was... <laughs> That was gross. But personally, I felt like he treated Kate badly because of his traumas and because he didn't know better. And when he realized that he needed to do better, he did. And I don't know. Like, yeah. I mean, I feel like people deserve second chances. Yeah. But but there's a that especially in the the movie industry or the entertainment industry, that whole idea of, you know, always giving the guy a second chance to better himself and not just walking away and finding someone who appreciates you for who you are. Like that's, that happens a lot. Yeah. And it felt like my thing was, you know, from the beginning of the movie, it's like, how has she, how is she still so attached to him up until the point where she wasn't? If this has been going on for years, you know, they've been together for a while. Like, what does she see in this guy who's totally arrogant and just yells at her and always has to have everything his way? Like there's, there was never a moment of like, Oh, so, you know, they're being nice to each other or something like that. She hinted that when they first started making the show, that the the point was to debunk things and that she, like, it sort of seemed like, yeah. like she believed more in what he was doing at the beginning. And then as it became more about a ratings grab, he shifted to keep going after the ratings and lost his, yeah. like, moral compass. And so maybe she, like, she, maybe he wasn't always like that. And so she knew he could be better. Maybe. And then there's an arc, you know, and then he realized what she was realizing and then decided he wanted to be better, too. I don't know. It it felt okay to me, but so much of that, like, I second guess myself because I've been brainwashed by media tropes my whole life. Yeah, that makes sense. But the main abusive situation here mm -hmm. is the family that lived in this house, which the father killed them all and himself. And then after death, stopped them from going into the light and was like, we're staying in this house. Nobody's going anywhere. And now he's killing people to keep I, them there. I suspect he probably had a belief system that made him think that murdering your family <laughs> and then killing yourself probably doesn't allow you to end up in the same place makes sense as the people you've murdered yeah that's a really interesting they didn't dive into that at all but the idea is pretty cool like if someone did that and they somehow can keep themselves from going to hell but they stop their family from going to heaven just to stay together that's 
That's a dark concept. That is, that is a, a layer of purgatory I had not previously considered. Yeah, that's pretty vile. And uh-huh. and that, I mean, that is basically what we see here, whether he was going somewhere else or not. He was like, we're staying together. Mm-hmm. And and that's a really like a abusive relationship, abusive dad kind of thing where he was doing that. And it, I mean, it was very direct. It wasn't symbolic or anything. No. It just was what it was, only with ghosts. And, you know, then we see how that insular relationship where he's doing that affects everyone who comes to this house and is just trying to do earthly things. They get murdered because of his obsessive family issue. Not only that, but I'm suddenly remembering that as the woman who brought them to the house was telling the story, like, it, it was oh, some, yes. these were relatives of hers somehow, yeah, her, her uncle. aunt and uncle, yeah. And she's determined that the house is haunted be- and that spirits in that house made her uncle do that. Mm-hmm. And we realize, we find out that's not the case at all. That's like, true. They debunked it. <laughs> spirits in the sense that he drank too much mezcal yeah. and, like, was just a terrible, terrible person and committed this horrific crime. But yeah, there were no other ghosts in that house that made him commit this murder-suicide. Yeah. Huh. We have debunked a ghost. Interesting. there was another ghost. Yes, while simultaneously proving that ghosts did, in fact, exist. Huh. Yeah, but also her husband, the woman who owned the house, her husband was affected by this family as well he was destroyed mm-hmm. by it mentally by seeing the ghost of what turned of out to be Tio the uncle mm-hmm. we talked uh when amy was here talking about the orphanage we talked about the power of belief yes and that comes up again in this movie because that's part of javier's issues is that like there are ghostly skills I guess, for lack of a better word, that are beyond him, you know, out beyond his reach, because he he can't believe that he could do them. Like, he's still so trapped in his, like, corporeal rules that, like, he can't go through doors and he's, you know, Mm -hmm. he's blocked by physical things. Which I believe is the plot of Ghost also. (laughs) Except in that case, he couldn't move things physically and Javier has no problem. No, it's the exact opposite. But I, I sort of felt for Javier, like, I... I wasn't overly fond of his character. He's definitely the kind of person where in real life I'd be like, "Mm, no, thank you. But I kind of felt for him at the end when he decides to believe in himself and he's able to escape from the the whatever sawhorse or whatever that was holding him back. But then he, like, he fails. Like, he's like, oh, okay, I'm going to defeat this bad guy now. (laughs) And then, you know, is is, just like, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, very quickly fails. And he says, but but I believed. <laughs> and, oh, it was yeah, a little heartbreaking. I can see that, yeah. His thing, at the very end of the movie, you know, they have like a, a flash forward of the sequel to this movie, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was really disappointed. I thought, I mean, this is unfair. What I was looking for would have been bad for their character development. But <laughs> I thought they were going to still do fake ghost shows, but have Javier there to physically, you know, pick things up and throw them around and be like, our special effects are awesome now. Right, right. But no, he was just there to help them actually bust ghosts. Because he can see the real ghosts and... Yeah. Yeah. And translate for them. Although apparently Kate speaks like amazing, what, Japanese? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Good thing, because their ghost does not. Right? 
Remember when we watched Anna and we thought that the editing was not good? <laughs> we did think that. This movie has really good editing. The whole movie is super fast paced and it jumps all around and there's lots of sharp cuts and it's just very clean and professionally done in a very fast paced way. And that's what I enjoyed. It kept driving along at an incredible pace and it was goofy and silly and all that. It was too goofy. I just I was I wasn't down with the amazing technology they had. I think <laughs> I think you'd you'd be making a very different movie, but you could make a similar type of movie without any of the magic stuff. Just have, you know, these guys dealing with ghosts, so like stuff is floating through the air and they have to deal with that. Like Javier writes then things on a chalkboard or something, you know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the the seeing the ghosts and all was too much. But this is the story they were telling, and that's what it was about, was these silly things, which is fine. It's a silly movie. So I enjoyed it, but it's not my favorite because of that kind of thing. It's It was very, very light. It's a fluffy movie. So it was fun, but it's not anything great. It'd be, I, I would recommend seeing it. It's enjoyable. I give it three and a half mayhem buttons out of five. Three and a half. Okay. Yeah. I I agree that it's over the top and it's not it's not a five, it's not a five plus. Like this is not um this movie doesn't have all the things a horror movie has to have because it just it barely we're not sure it's horror. Right. It barely <laughs> qualifies as horror. That being said, I really, really liked this movie. Uh-huh. Like, it was fun to watch. It was well done. While you were doing your rating discussion, I was thinking about it. You were talking about the ridiculousness of it. And I was, like, picturing it in my head and thinking, oh, it really has the same vibe as the Haunted Mansion at Disney. Like, it's it's real people, but they sort of seem like Disney cartoons. Yeah, they do. And the whole thing, just like the style, the the decorations and everything, sort of feels like Disney scary as opposed to scary yeah, scary. Yeah, I could totally see that. This could be a Disney Channel movie. Yeah. And I say that, I mean, I, I'm not obsessed with Disney generally, but I say that as a compliment. Like, I think it was very well done. Story-wise, there was a point, I think right around the time they found Bob dead, where I was like, there are so many different plot lines happening and so yeah. many different conflicts and it's all balancing out like it's not becoming overwhelming but in that moment like they were kind of shouting at each other about all the things and each one yeah. of them had their own like concern you know it's gonna be canceled and you aren't the person i fell in love with and <laughs> what about these ghosts and uh mirrors are bad and uh <laughs> My family abandoned me. Like, there were all of these things. They were all focused on some different conflict simultaneously. And yet, as the viewer, I was following all of it. And I was able to kind of focus on all of them with them. And I felt like that that demonstrates how carefully it was written. Yeah. How well it was written. Well, it's like I was saying about the ghost lore in this movie. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. somebody really went into a lot of detail writing this. They didn't just string together a series of jokes. They right. They really put the plot together. Right. 
but they did have jokes. Like when Lloyd uh-huh. said that ghosts were saying really mean stuff in <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> like it was just it was a very good balance of of all of those things so i am going to go ahead and give it four and a half mayhem buttons out of five because it was close to ideal for me in terms of a movie but it just like in terms of a horror movie (laughs) it just wasn't quite horrific not it was it was adorably horrific (laughs) yeah you know you're making me want to raise my rating but I know that <laughs> once the mayhem button is pressed, once it is pressed, it is over. Right. Cannot unpress that button. No. It's all mayhem. <sighs> all right. Well, that's that for this movie. I will see you back here again tomorrow with another one. I will too. I will see you. Well, I was talking to you. Oh, I thought you were talking to the audience. You can't see them. Let's talk to the audience. Okay. Bye. Bye. We'll see you. Well, we won't. We won't see you. You won't. You'll hear us. We'll talk at you again tomorrow. Enjoy. It'll be great. (laughs) That's kind of like the movie. that and thought it said it was a hamburger with mayhem butter underneath it and then you nodded like yeah that makes sense no that'd be good it's it's like butter and sriracha (laughs) cooked into the bun mayhem butter mayhem butter this podcast now doubles as a cooking show